and I talk to women about their periods all the time. And what is surprising to me is how many women have uh, grown to accept menstrual pain as just a normal part of their monthly cycle. And it does not have to be. I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We covered the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. My guest today is Dr. Carrie Boyle, who is a doctor of acupuncture and a licensed acupuncturist with 18 years of experience. She is a graduate of Bastyr University and she holds a doctorate in acupuncture from Pacific College. She is a specialist in acupuncture for women's health, fertility, pregnancy, and pain management. She is an owner of two wellness clinics in Vermont, serving approximately 200 patients per week, and she is responsible for launching an acupuncture department on over 50 cruise ships between 2004 and 2008. Today, I spoke to Dr. Carey about just sort of a beginner's look at acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and the place that acupuncture holds within this medical system. And we talk a lot about acupuncture for pain relief, joint and muscle pain and bone disease pain, and how acupuncture works to help with pain reduction. We also talked about fertility and how acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine can play a role in women's health. We talk about the importance of the five different branches of the system and how the focus is often on healthy qi. And so let's get to it. Dr. Carrie Boyle. Hi, Carrie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we get into things, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from and uh, how you became interested in natural or alternative health? 
Sure. I get asked all the time, how did I get into acupuncture? Um, and a lot of my colleagues got into it because they had some kind of miraculous healing experience with acupuncture. But for me, it was a root of experiencing Tai Chi, the really slow moving exercise that moves the energy in the body. And once I learned about this form of healing, I became more intrigued and re realized that acupuncture was based on the same theory of uh, meridians and energy flow. And so I decided to go to Bastyr University in Seattle, Washington to get a master's degree in acupuncture. Um, I initially went on board cruise ships and had the good fortune to be able to work with launching acupuncture on board hundreds of cruise ships worldwide and then settled down to Vermont to open my private practice. And then I pursued the education after being in practice for uh, 17 years and achieved a, a doctorate degree from Pacific College of Health Sciences. How did you get on a cruise ship with acupuncture? That sounds so interesting. Yeah, it was it was good good luck. Basically, I uh, developed an itch to travel after I completed an internship in London, specializing in acupuncture for fertility, and realized I was just not ready to settle down, open a practice, and commit to a community. And I heard about someone trying to start acupuncture on board cruise ships. So I was part of the initial group of folks that uh, brought acupuncture to celebrity cruise lines, and we trialed it out on ships all over the world on just a couple of ships, and it proved to be successful. Um, we developed the program. Um, Steiner Leisure is a corporate spa company that ended up picking it up and is now on board hundreds of ships all over the world. That is so cool. And it was great. You know, if you, if you still want to travel and work, uh, go on a cruise ship. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it was a great way to see the world and um, get paid. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about acupuncture. So for the listener who may not be familiar, can you explain what acupuncture is and how it works? Absolutely. So acupuncture is part of traditional Chinese medicine. It's been around for thousands of years. It's now been uh, developed and traveled all over the world. You can find billions of people use, have used acupuncture. It involves um, the use of a stainless steel, very thin needle going into acupuncture points all over the body. The needles are retained for a certain amount of time, and that's what causes changes in our body to happen and healing to occur. Uh, usually people feel really relaxed during acupuncture and often have results and changes in their complaint immediately after. Okay. And so I know many people hear acupuncture and needles and they kind of like almost pass out. Um, it's yeah. like this big fear. And I think there's a really big misconception around acupuncture. And so, you know, you're puncturing the skin with a needle, but it's the way I understand it, it's not actually, it's not really an invasive treatment. So it's more about stimulating self-healing in the body. So would you agree with that? Yeah. And I can really relate to that, Cheryl. I am one of those people that passes out when I get a blood draw or a shot. I just have a fear of needles and blood. So I know that's kind of funny that I'm the acupuncturist, yeah. <laughs> but it allows me to really relate and have empathy for folks that are trying it for their first time and feeling nervous. I think one of the best ways to realize that acupuncture doesn't hurt is to know that I treat babies, I treat children and, mm -hmm. um, and animals, and they don't even notice the needle goes in. So a lot of it is really the mindset and the anxiety around thinking about it. Um, when we don't have that piece, like a child might not, uh, they don't even notice it. The size of an acupuncture needle is about the size of a human hair. So mm -hmm. it's teeny tiny. 
It comes with a guided insertion tube that first rests against the skin before the needle is inserted. And this works for two reasons. One, it allows the needle to go in really quickly and painlessly. And two, it has the brain processing what's resting on my skin. So it acts as a little bit of a diversion so that you don't feel the needle go in. Um, it's very rare that somebody experiences acupuncture to be painful and decides not to try it. What's much more common is folks try it for the first time and say, wow, I had no idea. It wouldn't hurt. Yeah. I think um, we've had that experience where really wasn't sure what was being done. And then all of a sudden being told it was a needle. And then that the thought is what caused like, oh my gosh, a freak out session. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, didn't notice it for 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. That's common. Okay. So can you talk to me a little bit about some of the physical benefits? So acupuncture is often used for pain relief and joint disease. So how does acupuncture affect these and how can we use it for inflammation and, and inflammatory disease? Sure. So I think the best way to understand this is to think about if you get a splinter. If you get a splinter in your finger and leave it in, your body is going to try to push it out naturally on its own. And the way it does that is by relaxing the muscles and tendons around the splinter and increasing the blood flow there. This is the same thing, the same mechanism that happens when a person receives acupuncture. The body receives the acupuncture needle as a foreign object and it's gonna do all it can to push it out, just like a splinter. So it relaxes the muscles and tendons around the acupuncture needle and increases the flow of blood there. So that's a reduction in inflammation and a reduction in pain. The brain realizes that this little micro injury might be a real injury. So it actually releases endorphins, dopamine, serotonin, all sorts of natural chemicals coming from our brain to help us feel pain relief. This is why acupuncture is great for any kind of pain, um, but certainly any pain that has swelling associated with it. In China, acupuncture is on the front lines of being used post-surgery. In fact, that's how acupuncture came to the United States and Canada was a man named James Reston in 1972, went over to China to report on the opening of the trade gates with the United States. And while he was there, he suffered from an appendicitis attack and had to have an appendectomy. And while he was there receiving his appendectomy, he reported abdominal pain and the acupuncturist came in. He received acupuncture, had a reduction of pain in his abdomen. He was so impressed by this, he asked to have a tour of the hospital and he saw open heart and brain surgery being done with acupuncture as an adjunctive pain reliever in addition to the medications that were being used for anesthesia. He took pictures of this and reported it in the New York Times in 1972. And this is a big reason why acupuncture came to the West. And so how does it affect people or can it help people who experience menstrual pain? And like, how does that work with menstrual pain? Because I think some of it, uh, like PMS or dysmenorrhea, mm -hmm. has to do with prostaglandins and high amount of prostaglandins. So does this impact any way or how does it work for menstrual pain? Yeah, acupuncture is definitely something that helps with dysmenorrhea or menstrual pain. Actually, women's health is one of the number one things that I treat. So I treat this a lot and I talk to women about their periods all the time. And what is surprising to me is how many women have uh, grown to accept menstrual pain as just a normal part of their monthly cycle. And it does not have to be. Um, according to Chinese medicine, a normal period doesn't include any pain at all, no cramping. We'll see changes with this when we treat women within the first cycle. And I, you don't have to be having pain 
when you have the acupuncture. I can see a woman any time during the cycle and treat the dysmenorrhea for the next coming cycle. Um, sometimes in addition to the acupuncture, I have women begin an herbal formula. I often use a, a great herbal formula that translates from Chinese to mean free and easy wanderer. Mm. And isn't that a great name? Yeah. <laughs> and so Xiaoyao San, free and easy wanderer, is meant to move the qi, in particular the liver qi of the body. And although we understand how acupuncture works according to Western sciences, like you mentioned prostaglandins, we really hang out in the area of speaking in Chinese medical terminology. So we'll talk about the qi being stagnant is the definition of menstrual cramps in Chinese medicine. And then our resolution for that is to move the stagnant qi. And so we do that with acupuncture and with herbs. Can you use it then for fertility and like actually major hormonal disorders? Absolutely. Fertility is one of my favorite things to treat. And we usually get about two or three positive pregnancy tests a week in our clinics. Um, women can have fertility issues for a number of causes, but probably the most frustrating one is this diagnosis of unexplained infertility. Well, in Chinese medicine, there is no such thing as unexplained infertility. There's always a pattern of dysfunction that's causing the infertility and the inability to conceive. And so we treat women individually. There is no a cookbook for a recipe to follow of how to treat fertility. Um, we might work with one woman who is having recurrent miscarriages, another woman who has never had a pregnancy. So these women are treated very differently and possibly at different times of the month. In addition to acupuncture, we might use herbal medicine. Uh, we might use a technique called moxibustion, where we burn an herb, mugwort, over specific acupuncture points in the body. This could be used because of the Chinese medical diagnosis of a cold uterus that we need to warm up. And think about it. We don't plant a seed in the cold earth. We plant a seed in fertile ground. And so this is what we're doing with acupuncture, increasing the flow of blood to create a thick lining to allow for the embryo to implant and to warm it up and keep things warm. Um, acupuncture is also an excellent adjunct for assisted reproductive therapies. I've worked in IVF clinics where we use acupuncture pre and post transfer, and there is science to show an increase of 15% success rate in conceptions for when women use acupuncture pre and post IVF. That's really incredible. That can be a really beautiful resource for women. Most of us seek out treatment when we're already sick. Mm -hmm. But we sometimes, you know, we sometimes miss that preventative step. So can we use acupuncture with other elements of traditional Chinese uh, medicine for health maintenance and maybe specifically for the immune system? Definitely. We like to call it a tune-up. Just like we mm. get our cars tuned up, we need to tune up our bodies. And medically, what's happening every time we put an acupuncture needle in is um, the white blood cells are increased. The body thinks there's been an injury and it needs to increase the production of white blood cells. So that's our immune system. We should absolutely be <clears throat> boosting our immune system as much as possible, especially for those of us who live in cold climates during the wintertime. So using acupuncture at a frequency of once a month, once every two months, at least as often as we get our car's oil changed, is definitely recommended to boost immunity. Can you speak a little bit about the mind and spirit um, and how those affect physical health? And you talk a little bit about the flow of qi. So how does acupuncture approach that? And maybe you could speak about qi around this area. 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. Chinese medicine has not extracted the very real causes of illness of stress. And the mind-body-spirit connection is still completely intact in Chinese medicine mm. as opposed to modern medical science. During our evaluations, in addition to hearing a patient talk about their chief complaint, we're also making evaluations based on their shen, S-H-E-N, their spirit. And we're considering the role of their lifestyle, which might include stress or other emotional irregularities for the cause of their illness. In Chinese medicine, each organ system still has a emotion associated with it. So the liver is responsible for regulating anger and the lung is responsible for processing grief and the spleen, stomach, digestion for worry. And we can see these things in our everyday lives when we get butterflies in our stomach because we're nervous or worried about something. So we understand this as Chinese medical practitioners and we don't overlook it. And uh, for example, if someone maybe has not processed grief completely. They might continue to see lung issues, immunity situations, allergies. And so we'll bring that up with them. In addition to treating their lungs and helping them breathe, we're going to talk about the grief and is there a history of unprocessed grief in their, in their life and try to give them referrals to medical professionals and counselors that could help them process that. Mm -hmm. Part of the practice is then moving that with acupuncture and then you would combine Chinese herbs with it, for example along with, you know, referrals, like you said? Yeah, maybe. Chinese herbs aren't for everyone. There might be contraindications with medications. So we go mm -hmm. through that. But if we can, yeah, Chinese herbs are excellent for daily maintenance and to have our treatments last longer. The five branches of Chinese medicine includes acupuncture, herbalism, nutrition, massage and body work, and meditation. So in addition to doing the acupuncture and maybe prescribing herbal formulas, we might talk about foods that are best indicated for a person. We might talk about exercises that would be best for them. And we always are trying to help people to learn about meditation and incorporating that into their daily lives. And you talked briefly about Tai Chi. Uh, how does that work for moving, moving your Chi? If you talk about stagnant Chi, how, mm -hmm. does that, how does that work in conjunction with maybe say acupuncture? So Tai Chi would fall, fall under that category of the branches of Chinese medicine of exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's a great slow moving exercise and very accessible for anyone to do. It can even be done static or non-moving, which is Qigong, another mm -hmm. form of Qi exercises. Qi flows in our body uh, like uh, rivers and it can get stuck. And if we get stuck and it accumulates, it becomes a boulder in a river. And we need to break that down. And so we do that with movement. We do it with exercise. We do it with mindfulness and meditation. And then we can do it with acupuncture too. So incorporating Tai Chi moves the Chi every day. It's the same thing as taking a walk or taking a run or any other activity or exercise, particularly if it's joyful and a person enjoys doing it. That just reduces the chances of the energy in the body being stuck. Mm. So in you were talking about acupuncture coming to Western medicine, as it were. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is a regulated profession here in Canada and in the United States, but it's not in some countries. And so we have a global audience. So can you share with us what we should look for in a practitioner? What kind of training, for example, and what really is the best thing? Like in Canada, most acupuncture is done with a physical therapist. So can you just tell us a little bit about what we should look for? Sure. So in the, in the United States, we go through a three-year master's degree program exclusively studying acupuncture and Chinese medicine. It is not an adjunct 
to physical therapy. It's not an extra course during a medical doctor training. It's completely dedicated to acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And I would say these are the experts in acupuncture mm -hmm. and Chinese medicine. But as it becomes more and more accepted, used and recommended, it's realistic that we might not have enough experts of acupuncture and Chinese medicine to be able to provide acupuncture to everybody. And we want everyone to be able to access it. So less expert levels of acupuncture can be found through other professionals. And it's safe and it's effective. But when you get into something very complicated, that's when you want to see a specialist. It's kind of like seeing a, um, a general practitioner for a condition. And then if it's more complicated, you're referred to a specialist. And that's, that's what I am. I'm a licensed acupuncturist, licensed by my state in the United States, and I'm nationally board certified uh, by the NCCAOM, which is who certifies board certification in the United States. I think what is most important, because we know acupuncture is safe, what's most important is feeling comfortable with the practitioner. Mm. It's totally normal to have a talk with someone before committing to treatments. See if you feel comfortable with them. See if you feel like you can relax around them, and especially if you have any anxiety going into the treatment, feeling nervous about it might hurt. You want to make sure that you connect with the person. And once you do that, if your condition is really complicated, then you'll be moved up and referred to somebody who's an expert and a specialist like I am, a licensed acupuncturist. Yeah. And I think it's worth saying too, you know, if you're dealing with pain relief and, you know, joint disease, it makes sense that a physical therapist does acupuncture for that, you know, but if you're, you're dealing with fertility and PMS and those kinds of things, then, you know, yeah, a specialist in acupuncture is probably a bit wiser. Of course, we have those here in Canada too. In rural areas, you're more likely to find it with a physical therapist, but mm -hmm. I appreciate what you're saying as far as working with the right people is very important. You don't want to be messing around too much with, with your systems. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just connecting with the person and feeling comfortable because it's not a one-time treatment. It's you, you're not going to acupuncture once. You're probably going to develop a relationship with the provider and you'll probably be seen for a series of treatments in order to treat a condition. And like we were talking about earlier with an immune system, this might be someone that you end up seeing for years that you refer your family to. So think about that when you're deciding who to see that you want to feel comfortable and make a connection. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's so wonderful to hear your perspective. And for our listeners, where can we find more about you? Thanks so much for having me today, Cheryl. I am found in Vermont. I have two private practices in Montpelier and Williston, Vermont. I'm online at acupunctureinvermont.com where we do offer telemedicine. And I have a fun new project I'm working on. It's a chocolate bar company where we're putting Chinese herbs into chocolate bars. Cool. It's called Chi Chi Chocolate, C-H-I-C-H-I -I Chocolate. You can find us there and check out what element you are through our five element quiz and try a chocolate bar. Cool. How did you come up with that idea? How did you, like, wh how do herbs and chocolate go together? Well, it comes from my kids, trying to get them to, it's a spoonful of sugar, makes the medicine go down. Um, <laughs> trying to get people to take herbs of all ages is sometimes difficult because herbs sometimes don't taste that good. Oh yeah. And so when you put them into chocolate bars, they taste better. I also find it a really accessible medium to get people to learn about acupuncture and Chinese medicine. My mission with this Chi Chi chocolate program is to expose more people to Chinese herbalism and acupuncture. Um, and the inside of the boxes, there's acupressure points that connect to the condition that you're buying the bar for, sleep, energy, immunity, stress, 
who's the fifth? I forgot somebody there. Oh, longevity. So the herbs in there work for those. And then there's acupressure points in the inside of the boxes that connect to the condition that you're buying the bar for. Very cool. And you, you mentioned you can find out what element you are. Can you, can you talk about that real briefly? What are the elements and like, what are they, how do they relate to, to health? Uh, there's five elements of traditional Chinese medicine, fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. It's from the Taoist concept of recognizing that every element is dependent on each other and interdependent on each other. So one forms the other. When fire burns, it creates earth through the ashes. If we dig through the ashes, we find metal. If we use the metal, we can create a bucket to hold water. If we pour water on the ground, we get wood or a tree grows. The tree burns, creates fire. Mm. So that's the cycle of the five elements. And then understanding in nature how the five elements generate each other, we can understand how the organ systems all generate each other and work together. So the five elements have a bunch of correlations to them from animals to directions to numbers to seasons, sounds, colors are each related in each of the five elements. And so we've taken an herbal formula I actually mentioned it before, Xiaoyao San, free and easy wanderer that mm -hmm. works to move the liver qi. The liver is represented in the wood element. So this is our chill bar that's represented with the dragon, which is the animal that's represented by the wood element, the color green, which is the wood element, and the acupressure points on the liver channel. Okay, cool. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. Thanks. We're pretty excited about it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think I could get on board with that because, yeah, herbs taste so gross. <laughs> right. <laughs> herbs taste gross or people haven't tried them. It makes them less scary if they're not in a pill. Plus um, chocolate's amazing. So <laughs> And chocolate's amazing. So you can buy it for your friends and you open up the box and you learn about, you learn something too, you know? Yeah. It's educational piece too. I love that because, you know, like you said, traditional Chinese medicine is, is an ancient system. And mm -hmm. so I think it's so wonderful to to learn more about different ways and different perspectives of on how to how to view the body. That's all what the show is all about. So yeah. that's beautiful. And I want to make it accessible for folks too. Like not everyone's ready to have an acupuncture treatment. Yeah. But eating a chocolate bar, I think everyone can get on board with that. Definitely. And especially if it's maybe a <laughs> tiny bit healthier than just sugar, you may you have some benefit to it. Uh, exactly. That's even better. <laughs> exactly. That's what we're going for. Beautiful. Well, we'll link up all that information in the show notes okay. so they can go and find you. And thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to meet you. And thank you so much for having me. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.